Hello everyone, my name is Mola Deji and welcome to another episode of The Village You Don't See. Our show highlights individuals, entrepreneurs and their support system. Today we're talking to Megan Bowman. Megan is the founder and CEO of Stonehenge Technology Labs, a tech startup here in Northwest Arkansas. Stonehenge is the startup behind Stopwatch. I know you've heard of it. Stopwatch is uh, all you can eat omni-channel software that helps CPG companies win in the digital space. Prior to Stonehenge, Megan has worked for Hallmark, the Mars, the Mars agency, and she also ran e-commerce for Harvest Group and also was the co-founder of One Stone Consulting. Hey, Megan, thank you so much for coming through and blessing us. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So, Megan, um, you know, I'm looking through your profile and, you know, and I'm so how did you how did this thing come about this tech this digital space it looks like you've really spent a lot of your life in this tech space so what was it about uh tech for you that's a great question so i will say that when when we think about tech i am not um you know face and code like a lot of the amazing people that work on my team so um i would probably fit more in the the um, more of the data science slash um, product management uh, vision piece of, of the technology and um, and really you know I, I love retail um, yeah. and consumer you know consumer behavior and that sort of thing and um, and really what was what, what's been fun about you know starting in you know more of the e-commerce space back before it was um kind of cool yeah was um i just i love the the way that uh you could use your you know your, your analytical brain yeah. to put together um you know ways that shoppers could interact with your product that didn't necessarily require a whole lot of creativity like yeah. um like the natural creativity and i yeah. thought gosh if i can if i can do you know sell more by using math and you know some basic principles um that's really fun um you know the you, you know i you know buyers um yeah. you know make choices um, based on their intuition and their, you know, all sorts of trends and that sort of thing. And um, I just got really got enamored with the idea of being able to um, push products to people um, without honestly having to go through a buyer yeah. um, that, that anybody could buy anything at any time. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't have to be on an end cap or, a, you know, a rack or whatever. Um, so that's really kind of how I stumbled into it. Awesome. So as you think, I mean, the last two years has been digital heaven, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, we're seeing trends that have, you know, that we were projecting probably will happen in the next 10 years come in the last two years, right? So um, where, how did Stopwatch come about? So was that something you guys were working on or was that something that you were looking at and you were like, okay, this thing is about to go serious. We got to bring in another software because I'm just looking at what that software offers and um, it's awesome. Oh, thanks. No, I wish I was that smart and fast. Um, uh, no, we've been working on Stopwatch for about five years. And um, wow. to, be totally, to be totally honest, um, you know, I love the title of your show, The Village You Don't See, because 
um, it implies that there's just a lot of uh, hard stuff and, yeah. and stuff that, um, you know, relationships, you know, encourage you as you go and that sort of thing. And I would, I would say that, um, uh, we we were we were very ahead in terms of the bet that we placed. So yeah. you know, I moved here from Seattle um, after really understanding Amazon, and and I moved to, to Northwest Arkansas to be close to consumer back, packaged goods companies. Yeah. Um, and I knew that you know Amazon was a really strong force, but there was no way that it was going to be able to you know hold on um, at the at the might that it was uh, towards yes. you know forever. And yes. so we really, you know, took a bet that, um, you know, every retailer from Kroger to Instacart to, well, Instacart wasn't around, but Kroger to, you know, Walmart to Target to um, whatever, um, we're, we're going to give Amazon a run for their money. money. And we ended up yeah. moving here when it was announced that um, Walmart was going to buy Jet. Jet. Okay. Okay. So, um, so that's when, you know, that's really when we started, when I started, you know, architecting stopwatch pretty, pretty aggressively oh. saying, okay, you know, uh, Mark, I'd, I'd seen some of Mark Laurie's kind of early integration work when yeah. I was up at yeah. Amazon and it was, it was good. And so I, you know, we just took a bet. I'll tell you though, Mo, we, we, you know, had the pandemic not hit, um, yeah. We all we were have you know we've always had wonderful conversations with really really smart people inside of um, consumer packaged goods companies, yeah. um, you know kind of telling them hey you know what this is where things are headed yeah. you know um, you know this is what the software that we're building for it and and we would oftentimes get the response wow that sounds like a really important thing but it is absolutely not urgent yeah. And I don't blame them, you know, like you could, you know, you put another facing on a shelf in Walmart and, you know, your business goes through the moon at yeah. the time, you know, maybe what, two, 3% maybe. Yeah. With yeah, yeah. Penetration. So, yeah. 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 So when yeah. you're, you're coming in saying, Hey, you know, invest now, uh, you know, in this technology that, and they're like, Oh, so is this an Amazon thing? I'm like, no, no. I mean, yes, but it's beyond Amazon. And at this point, you know, the CEOs are like, I can't even figure out Amazon. What are you even talking about? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it was a lot of, um, it, the reason that, uh, that stopwatch is, is as robust as it is, is because we architected it, um, really, really deep and really, really wide from the very yes. beginning. And I always joke that, um, you know, honestly, I'm sure we would have been taken care of, but we would have run out of money had the, had COVID not hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. people just were not adopting to it as as fast again it wasn't that they didn't like the software or the concept it was that they had a lot of other priorities for their business and you know kind of bringing in kind of a very futuristic planning module really wasn't on their radar and so um you know i always joke that that we were you know we had this really really expensive car that we were about to scrap for parts uh, <laughs> right before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and um hey. you know all you upgraded the car. You, yeah, you yeah. All the yeah. CEOs that you know had remembered talking to us, um, you know, started calling and saying, you know, hey, oh. I, I think we need this, and and it literally was kind of overnight that everything took yeah. off. You know, a friend of mine used to say, sometimes you don't know it's raining until you get wet, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. so a lot of guys got wet, right? And and yeah. the situation is even still in the industry, people are kind of like one toe in, one toe out too, right? And I think the leaders are the ones that are embracing it because I mean, as we look at here, 
there is a day coming where I'm sure 40% of our 40 to 50% will start digitally, right? I'm a, I'm a, I love the stores started in retail, love to walk into the stores, but I can tell you, I don't do all my stock up. I don't do any of my stock up trips in the stores anymore. Everything starts from a digital platform and I don't get in the stores. The only time I get into a store is probably on a filling trip. And I'm not even, I know what I'm looking for. So I'm not even looking for disruption then, right? So. Think about like our kids and the kids yeah. that are in college who yeah. are, are absolutely, you know, having discretionary income within the next 10 years. Yeah. My son doesn't like when I ask him where he gets something, he'll say YouTube. Yeah. And so yeah. we're ordering stuff from all over the place. Yeah. I don't even know where it's Instagram, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And now we're buying NFTs on, yeah. on, 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 you know, on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I, it's funny. I, I keep telling people, I'm like, well, you know, our, our, our kind of, you know, more .NET framework, you know, very um, disciplined ERP kind of normalization stuff, software um, wasn't cool. And then it became cool. And cool. then it was, yeah. and then it became not cool again, because like all the kids are ordering from like these like mystery places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a three sixties going around. So, so let me, let me throw something at you. So now entrepreneur probably been, you've been an entrepreneur for at least the last, what, four years, four, yeah, four, five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four or five years. So how's your day changed from like when you used to be at, you know, Harvest Group and, you know, not necessarily, I won't say eight to five, but that kind of structured to this now realm of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I will tell you that, um, and I, I'm, I don't know, I can't wait to listen to more of your shows for other people's answer to this question. Um, I, so I wrote business plans you know, from yeah. age four. So I always wanted to, to be an entrepreneur. Um, and when I was about 22, I think I had $15,000 I'd scraped together. And I went to a woman who was, was a very strong entrepreneur in town and asked her to mentor me and said, I was going to start my own business. And she said, Hey, um, you know, love the business plan. It was, you know, kind of, kind of shoddy. And um, she said, but, but what I would do is work, why don't you be, why don't you work under me for a couple of years and, um, you know, see what it's like to really kind of do this thing. And, you know, you'll learn, you know, with me and, uh, you know, I, I take on all the risk. And, um, so, so that was kind of how I started. I I actually learned under Lori Coulter, who's the founder and CEO of Somersault, um, out of St. Louis. Um, at the time it was Lori Coulter True Measure. And I mean, she's, she has an incredible story in and of of itself. So, you know, I, I started, my first, really my first job was for a, a founder. Um, and then, you know, then we, you know, had kids and, um, you know, we, I just knew that I didn't have, I wasn't in a place in life to, to start what I needed to start. Um, but I knew that I, I always knew that, that we would start something. And so really, you know, the move to Northwest Arkansas was, was, um, was an, kind of a stake in the ground. Uh, we, I knew what we were going to go build. Um, I wasn't sure how we were going to build it and, um, and what we, what data inputs we needed to test it and, and feel, you know, find out if it was even going to be a thing. And, um, so, you know, the, 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 the journey between, you know, moving here for Hallmark and then going to the Mars agency and then harvest group was really the whole time I was, I was really working on this concept, um, 
quite a bit. Um, and it really wasn't until um, Bill Waitsman at the Harvest Group kind of said, hey, let's like, I like what you're doing. Let's go, let's go do this. And so he yeah. was really instrumental in kind of getting me out of my comfort zone um, and starting. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's a definitely great story. And just <laughs> understanding that you were also able to just put your, you know, your uh, selfish business plan aside and walk under somebody to learn, right? Oh my um, gosh, it, it's so funny that you, it, it, at the time it felt, I just giggle because I mean, I was nowhere near ready. And it, it's seriously like, I would not be where I am today had I yeah. not been part of a founding team. And I tell that to my team all the time. We, the four, the three guys that are with us um, have been with me for four years and they are, I mean, I, I tell them they are, they are founders. Yeah. And, um, and my hope is, you know, when, when it's time for them to move on that they go and, you know, found their own business yeah. and it hope it hopefully had such great, you know, learnings of all of the problems and issues that they've seen me go through that, yeah. um, you know, that they would become smarter founders faster. And that's really what happened. So I feel like I kind of got a good hack. No, that's, that's, that's definitely awesome. So you, um, so now let, let's, let's look at Northwest Arkansas, you know, I think you're the first uh, tech company I know in Northwest Arkansas that I've heard that, you know, got a big, you know, big Sid monies on the internet, so we can say, so you guys raised $2 million. First of all, congrats, because knowing <laughs> some startup and, and how, it, what you need to do in that fundraising time is a lot of work. So uh, more grease to your elbow, as they say. Good job. Yes, and I think I, I notched up 863 no's. <laughs> oh my goodness, right? They, you know, you know, you'll laugh later. They'll come back. They'll come back <laughs> and say, "Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say no." But um, I want, Meg, I want to hit on something. So, with the last stats I looked at, 28% of women, you know, are in this tech environment, right? I know the numbers are steadily growing. I think it was 26% in 2020, and now about 28% of you know women in tech environment. They're working tech, founding tech. And I know you say you're not the one behind the screen, but you're still a owner of a tech company, right? Yeah, I definitely, yes, I definitely yeah. understand it. Yep. And you know, so what are some of the challenges you faced or you've heard from other women in tech that just say, why is there such a barrier for women to be in this environment? Why is it just so male dominated? Yeah, that's a good question. I um I truly attribute it to um you know, I actually wrote code when I was second, third grade. Yeah. And um and by no fault of my parents' own, they, they didn't they just didn't celebrate it. Like they didn't know what it was, they didn't think it yeah. was cool. Um, and so, you know, as a kid, you know, at least with my disposition, you know, I, I just kind of was like, okay, well, I guess that's not, you know, that's not going to get me and that's not something I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and I really think, you know, um, I think had I, had I stayed with it, I actually would be a really great coder. Um, yeah. the, the challenge is, is that I just never saw that as, as a model. And, yeah. um, I think that's why a lot of 
you know, people like my age, like I'm in my forties, it's pretty unusual to have, you know, a female technologist um, at my age. That being said, you know, you go down 10 years and there's a lot more and then you go down 10 years, you know, below that and there's even more. So I really do believe it has a lot to do with, um, you know, you, you act like what you see and and you want to be who you know who you look up to and they're just at, at least in my my ecosphere there wasn't anybody um you know any females that were were technologically driven um, yeah. in my brain and i'm hoping like you know things like girls in tech girls for tech and all those uh, new stem programs coming up also probably will help down the line oh i love those programs and they're yeah. so fun like they are so much fun and i think I think, you know, one thing I love about the art of technology and, um, you know, I, I think women and men just in general bring really different kind of perspectives to the table. And um, I love seeing a group of women kind of work together on a project. And I love, I mean, I obviously love seeing a group of men work together on a project too, but, um, you know, just even that, you know, agile methodology and, you know, the way people work together, um, just having more diversity whether it be, you know, um, you know, gender or age or uh, skill level or socioeconomic background or, you know, skin color, whatever, it actually makes the technology better because everybody's a user, right? Yes, 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 not well said. Um, (laughs) Yes. So, um, so now let's, let's, let's pivot a little bit and talk about, you know, the show the village you don't see um let's talk about megan's village i mean you don't have to name names you can name you know parties like you know but what's your village like oh i'm crying right now oh i wouldn't be here um i i mean i just i i have um you know i'm i'm 40 three and I don't think there's anybody that I have ever worked alongside that has not been really really impactful on on me I I never was a very good like I was always the person when I wasn't in you know working for Lori under foundership when I went into kind of more industry I was never the person that followed the rules Um, but I always really had, you know, some mentors kind of looking out for me, kind of kicking my butt, um, you know, kind of trying to smooth the edges, um, really all the way from my early twenties through, you know, through today and, and, and my, the, the manna that I meet with every single week, um, actually gave me my first performance review when I was 24 and he oh. made me, he made me cry. I mean, it was the first time somebody had told me that, that I just wasn't doing a good job. And now he's the, you know, he's the president of our board. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just, I just feel like a lot of people have, have, have had the, the commitment and grace to, to really coach me, um, yeah. to be kind of hard on me, but then also just not leave. Um, yeah. so I, yeah, I, I, I mean, the names are just flying through my head, but um, no, no. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, you don't have to name names, but just yeah. I think. Th- thank you for just being real, and I think um, the reason why is that in every situation, you know, like especially as an entrepreneur, 
you're gonna have your bad days then you're gonna have your good days right i'm sure when you closed your seed funding it was a great day right but i'm sure when you're going through the grueling process of uh, getting that seed funding was probably some very low days so <laughs> when we when we kind of look at those days who does megan go to in those days yeah, who are those that's a great question. You know, one thing that one thing that I'm so glad about your about what you're doing is, and I don't know the answer to it. Um, yeah. And I'm not as far, you know. I mean, we're we're about ready to raise Series A, and you know, I'm excited about that. Um, but I, I will say, you know, early, 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 um, especially pre-seed, um, it's kind of dangerous to tell people how you feel yeah as as an entrepreneur because yeah. you know whether or not they want to you know invest or whether or not they want to support it's it, you know you're not you know at that point you're very risky and the yeah. more emotional or the more you you know feel down or appear to be discouraged it just kind of makes people run away right yeah yeah. And so yeah. what I had to do really, and I'm a super emotional person. So what I had to do really early on, um, especially heading into the seed round, um, and that that took about a year. So I mean it was a long year. Yeah. Oh. Um, but what I had to do was kind of, I hate to say it, but kind of put relationships into two buckets. Um yeah. one was, hey, if this thing goes, you know, if this thing takes off, like they're not gonna care so much. If yeah. this thing tanks they're still going to be here. Yeah. And so those were the people that, you know, I had on a list that I was just like, you know what, they're, you know what, they're not going to invest money. They're not going to tell their friends, you know, they yeah. know who I am. They know that if I'm having a really bad day that I'm not really going to give up, you know, even yeah. though I say yeah. that I want to. Um, and then, and then there was, you know, kind of this other group of, of mentors and people that I was getting to know, especially around the Northwest Arkansas area you know, who, who really were potential, you know, yeah, investors, investors or, or partners or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard for me to kind of start, um, uh, you know, making sure that I, I knew who I was talking yeah. to and yeah. what they needed to hear yeah. out of, out of me. And I'm, I'm not usually like that. I'm not guarded at all, but that was one thing that I, I really learned and I didn't do it. I didn't do it right all the time. Um, uh, you know, but, uh, but that was the hardest thing. And so, you know, when you talk about the village, you don't see at the end of the day, both are really important, Ooh, right? Like, yeah, yeah. um, but for me, you know, still being early in the journey, um, you know, the, the people who, you know, were slipping me, you know, $10,000 under their doormat, you know, so I can make payroll. Yeah. Those are the people that, you know, I really, really, really am grateful mm. for. Oh man, that's oh gosh, that's that's a good no 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 that's a good you know and um and uh, and also Megan I just say thank you for just being transparent I I you know and I'm hoping that this also helps people that are out there thinking man I want to start the next taco joint and stuff and they might listen to it and be inspired to say man you know it's not always going to be great you know there're going to be things that come you know, it's, you know. funny, it's funny too though because I, like literally i mean i like i don't mean to be dramatic but like you know the seed funding just was not it, it was it was it's probably one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life and, yeah. and and the reason being is because to have so much passion 
about what you're doing and to talk to so many people about it and have have the majority of people, I mean, 99% of the people that you really want to impress, I mean, just really give you, you know, pretty much the whole thing. They're just like, no, yeah. like, yeah. I don't get what you're doing. I don't really care. I don't think it's, I mean, just, just the going through that over and over again, yeah. it's like a really tough skin. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, it was, I, I, there's, you know, I'm, I can't. Anybody who's in that position who's listening to this, please call me. Um, yes, call me. I'm, I'm an emotional investor, not a risk crazy investor. So you don't have to be worried that I would never give you money. I just or never invest. I just, I just yeah. know that feeling. And I think the more human you are, um, you know, the, the more real the journey is. Yeah. As I say, no pain, no gain, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, there were some pains, but I mean, we're, I, I know you're not probably where you, you want to be. And I know there, there's more things to come with you guys at Stonehenge Labs and stop watching all that stuff. But I mean, just looking at the reviews of people that have gotten your product and how you're differentiating yourself, I think, you know, uh, I mean, it's nothing but bright skies uh, over your company, man, in you know, in the coming years. So I'm excited to continue to see what you guys continue to do. But before I, you know, the I have one last question. This is the fun part. So how do you guys generate ideas? How does that process? You know, who are those people? They might be different from your emotional, you know, the people you talk to when you're emotional, the people you talk to when things are not going well. Well, that idea generation, because it's probably the funnest things you guys do, right? When you say, okay, what do we do next, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. I, how do I say this? Um, so I feel like I got to play in that space pretty heavily about three or four years ago. So right when, um, I mean, I'll just say it, when Bill Waitsman started to believe in me was yeah. when I felt like once, once I got some back, you know, some like backing, um, yeah. I had a lot of fun dreaming, you know, for, for a good year, year and a half. Um, what happened though, and it's, it's good is now, um, you know, then you got to go into the execution phase. So yeah. really, yeah. you know, ever since stopwatch is kind of, you know, had its first line of code my job now is to is to give other people space on my team to have the great ideas and i have three jobs one is to keep you know keep the money coming in yeah. um two is to recruit the best talent and three is to make sure they know where we're going yes and so those three things believe it or not are are not as creative and idea generating <laughs> and you know as I yeah. wish but I actually get really stoked when the team comes together with something um you know so so it's a different kind of feeling um the way the team's just awesome they they just kind of riff um I I you'd have to we'd have to bring them on to talk to ask them how no they no hey we hey we might have to once COVID is over, we might have to have like an in-person face. That would be so fun. That would be just to talk to the whole team and maybe roast you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, so many stories. <laughs> oh, I used to, I used to, you don't love this. They me, I, I know what I'm talking about. When somebody went like our product early on, yeah. you know, I just have never been, and I would just get so mad at them. So I would like try to sell the product, but then they would say no. And then I'd hang up the phone and literally be like, what's wrong with them? You know, <laughs> they just used to say that I would have these like horrible temper tantrums. 
yeah. about just like people that they're like, you are the worst salesperson ever. I'm like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just yell at people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, they just did not get the passion you were putting in. And the, you're oh like, my gosh. Oh like, my I goodness. Just... I'm putting, I'm telling you, this is what you need. And they couldn't <laughs> see you know, they were looking at the clouds. They were like, it's, I know it's not raining yet, right? I know, exactly. Yeah, I kept saying it was like the sky is falling and people would be like, okay, lady. Um, but yeah, that's what I struggle with now. Like, I, um, I don't know if other entrepreneurs struggle with this, but there's something about kind of not being cool that is like part of our DNA. Like, yeah. not winning is kind of like my jam. Um and so when you start to kind of be perceived as a, as a winner, um, you know, and, and you, like you're actually doing something where, you know, most people I talk to now, they don't, they know exactly what I'm doing and, yeah. you know, they're excited about it. And, you know, there's, there's always that kind of like, well, where were you six years ago? You yeah. Know, so you're in a different space right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I you're like, know I, you know, I'm not used to this. It's like, the person that was just a normal person then they get a nice billboard in LA, right? And so, oh yeah, I saw you on that billboard. I saw you everywhere you guys saw. And you're like, okay, I'm not used to being on, you know. But I mean, I think you got to look at it in two ways. One is, I think the private people like me that just look at you and just respect the heck out, out of what you've done, right? I mean, I don't know your total story till today, but when I look and say, huh, man, that was a great story. I'm looking at how, you know, then you can also see the process and the journey just looking through your the, the amount of places you've been in touch right then talking about leaving seattle and coming to northwest arkansas that's that's a woman we're on a mission right there you know what i mean i mean gosh people just don't leave and come to northwest arkansas from seattle i mean you just left good seafood to come where they fly seafood in you know because <laughs> you know you have your background in, in walmart and i just i will never forget this so you know growing up in seattle kind of in an amazon environment yeah they just did not like they thought it was crazy like walmart to them was just such a mystery and then when i got to to, to northwest arkansas and i would talk about you know my experience at amazon people would look at me like you think that thing's really going to take off like it's just so <laughs> funny how like <laughs> both groups i don't think we're really too like aware of one another yeah so yeah they became yeah. aware of one another and now it's like yeah. you know a total fight but i just always i just remember i don't know it's just funny you know kind of being on both sides <laughs> yeah i knew amazon was going to take off when like every other day my wife had some box and it said amazon i'm like oh gosh we're in trouble <laughs> and that's when i knew uh hey you know and um but it's 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 funny. I think also, as you said, retail is real fun, and just understanding the consumer. And as the consumer has also changed, and also knowing that, you know, the baby boomers, like you know, or you know, then you have the Gen X, then um, you have the millennials and Gen Ys that are really about to take this thing off. To your point, they're buying stuff from weird sites we don't know. You know, they're changing, and I mean, their buying power is slightly growing. So as they come into it, it's going to be a different game. And, you know, companies like yours are going to help CPG companies, you know, grow. Well, that's the crazy thing. But when, like, really, I, I haven't shared this, but I, I, I'd like to if we have another minute. Um, yeah, we do. When my son was about 11, he did not want to move the grass. And... 
he started going to thrift stores and selling, you know, Nike stuff through an Amazon third party, like a little yeah. marketing yeah. stuff and eBay and all that stuff. And um, he made, I think he sold more on, I think he sold more Nike on Nike on Amazon than Nike sold on Amazon yeah. um, for a couple of years there. And what, what really shocked me in that whole situation was, you know, here's an 11, 12, 13 year old kid who's like kind of kicking Nike's butt. Yeah. And the, the things that he was doing were really simple. It was number one, he was, he had his hands on the keyboard all the time. Yeah. Number two, he was always watching his competition. Number three, he was always coming up with, and he didn't have ad dollars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And really that's when I thought, you know, because at the time we didn't know what Stopwatch was actually, you know, who our ideal customer profile was going to be. Um, but at the time, it really, and I'm not a big company kind of person, yeah. but I told my husband, I said, you know, you know, the, the underdogs in this whole race are actually going to be, you know, the P and G's that have been on top for so long. Yeah. And my husband yeah. was like, that's not like you to like go after the masses. And I'm like, no, seriously, like they're the ones that can't move like an 11 year old. No. So a stopwatch can come in and help them kind of think, act, and be able to move faster, like, you know, like a kid, um, yeah. that's going to be what they need. And, you know, that, that was kind of an interesting pivotal point in, in understanding kind of what our, what our software was going to like, what purpose it was going to have. And also, I, I mean, you, you hit on another thing. And if you think about it from a product perspective, your son probably knew the Nikes that were hot, the Nikes that were appreciate. He was so more in tune with his consumer base, right? That probably yeah. also helped him in terms of, then also just the instant gratification of now. I mean, someone was telling me that today and in, in the age, a couple of entrepreneurs I've talked to, like, if you're not on Instagram, regardless of what you are, Instagram is like the new business card. I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, oh, well, no, we are so on full right now, though. I just want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said, whoa they're like yeah you got to be on digital right now people with products do i also don't TikTok stuff but i'm saying like there's this instant gratification of whether it's content and stuff you know people and i'm not saying tv well, and stuff i think it comes so naturally to them that's what i always used to joke because i was you know i used to get to talk to big groups of you know really really smart mbas or yeah know, yeah whatever and i'd say guys i hate to say it but we need to we need to be watching our teenagers more like we can you know the stuff that we talk about in marketing on a big you know whiteboard for three hours and then we go have coffee like the yeah. kids are just actually doing that they're natively they, like they're better marketers than we are and we've paid for giant educations to get marketing i know <laughs> and they know the newer platform they're in tune right we we know the yeah we know the platforms when they become cool right? oh yeah um, but but these kids have been, they, I mean, folks are advertising on video games, salt interfaces and stuff now, you know, and because they know the consumer base they're trying to reach, right? And everything mm -hmm. is getting digital right now. So if you're not interacting on a digital scale, then how much of your impressions are really coming in contact with your consumers? So, you know, we say something like, we can convert a customer after they see like seven or eight impressions of what we're selling, right? Then <laughs> we tie it in with an offer and blah, blah, blah. I don't, I think the marketing people might fire me for that. I don't know how many, <laughs> but the well, point I, is that, 
if you're on TV and they're not watching TV, those impressions are gone, right? <laughs> then how are you getting them on a digital, on a TikTok influential, inf uh, using influencers and stuff like that? So that is awesome. I this is this is such a cool conversation. I heard, I heard this the other day and it blew my mind. So yeah, I'm not you know stopwatch can integrate with with marketing kind of you know display advertising and and ad optimization. That's not really. Um, like stopwatch doesn't inherently do those things and absolutely ingest from really good people who do. Yeah. Um, but that's not kind of native to our platform. Yeah. And I was I was talking to somebody the other day and they heard it quoted that the average American scrolls on their phone the length of the Eiffel Tower every day. Oh my goodness. Does that not like blow my mind right there? Yeah. And and it was in the context of saying like. The goal now is just to have somebody slow down and swipe just a little bit slower. Yeah. On yours, like, like you know, so like in terms of big graphics and disruption and all that stuff, it's yeah. like at a whole new level where you just want somebody to stop scrolling. <laughs> I mean, so what does that mean? Your ads gotta be shorter and they gotta be catchier. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Big black blocks. I don't yeah. know. Like you don't know. But I can see that though. Now that you say it blows me, but I'm saying, man, how many times do I just scroll, scroll, scroll? But I would say, thumb goes up. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. And that's why we all having neck pains now in chiropractic because we're all bed hunched over, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and we're scrolling now till we even lay down in bed, right? We're still scrolling in bed. So yeah, it's crazy. Well, I'm curious now as when you started this show what was your heart like what was your hope because i love the introduction and you know i'm just excited to to hear your your hope for this um for this podcast uh well so what's my north star for it is that, yeah. i mean for me it was really about you know so it started out because i met a friend for coffee in pinnacle and he was like man you know we're talking and he said Mo, you know, like you connect with people and um, he's like, you just, I feel like people, even the way I used to work um, and he's like, I just feel like people come to you and ask you questions about stuff and, you know, career and all that stuff. And, you know, my background was, you know, I came from Nigeria to the States and, you know, and, and that's a story I, I probably will tell down the podcast. And I came I here I do. Yeah. And, and I came here by myself and, you know, the American dream and uh, God, God has blessed me to where I am today in Northwest Arkansas and uh, having to work for top CPG company. Yeah. And I, you know, I just felt like I had that growing up. I, you know, I left my parents at, I don't say young age, I think I was 19, I'm 40 now, but trying to figure it out in a new country. So I listened, you know, and, and. I just feel like when younger people come to me and talk to me, ask me for career, I just really tell them things that I went through, right? In terms of that. And I felt like for a second, um, I felt like I wanted to do something, but I felt like I'm a people person. So you had to do, you had to do something with people. And mm -hmm. I had a couple of friends and uh, I had a couple of friends that are, were in startups and we always talk startup and they were always talking to me about, man, you know, it's different just being a CPG company and working a role. It's like, man. And I always, I, 
my brother and I started like a music distribution stuff in Nigeria a long time. I always had a niche for like, I loved startup. I loved the idea of doing oh, yeah. stuff yourself. And let's just say, you know, I failed once and I never got back on the horse, right? <laughs> you know, I oh, rode, on the, I rode on the side of the horse, you know, I said, okay, you guys right. Yeah, I know. I'm 42 now too, Megan. So, you know, risk capacity, you know, the percentage of the numbers don't look, always look good as you got older. So I, I, you know, I started staying on the side and then watching people get back on the horse. I'm like, and I'm like encouraging them, like, go, go, go. I know you can do it, you know, be different, you know. And uh, I've connected with a couple of people in Northwest Arkansas, I have a couple of friends in Dallas too that are doing their own thing and, I, and that's successful. And people always feel like your startup has to be 100 million, 200 million, 10 million. You have to be, you know, I'm like, America, what? We have three, what, 357 million people or something, or maybe more. And I'm like, there's something for everybody. And you can carve out a nice 5 million niche for yourself. You can carve out a nine. I mean, look at the GDP. Say, okay, give me 0. 0.000000 of the GDP. There's something for everybody, right? Because there's something for you. And um, I just, you know. Well, a lot of color and one thing that I really respect about you and other people, like, especially in the consumer package goods, you know, you've had in Walmart. I mean, you have just had some incredible roles. It takes a really different type of leader to make big change and but in small ways yeah. you know every day in big companies like so so when people are just like oh wow you're so brave I'm like oh honey no you're brave you sit yeah. in you know with all these VPs and you um you know you're smart and you're patient and you're you know like you're bringing them along like i've never been gifted with that like i'd blow up the room you know and so it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, cool it, like how you're not giving yourself credit <laughs> well i just i just know that that people who are really making a difference in big companies like that's a huge skill set that yeah. um you know it, it's just a different type of leadership yeah and I mean, then to me, it came to, you know, uh, to your point, it came to just doing something for me, not just, again, just for my, like, I felt like this was a personal connection. And then I said, okay, how do I start? And initially I said, let me highlight, you know, the thing is that, oh, I want to go ping this guy that owns this company. But I'm like, I'm in Northwest Arkansas. And people always say, you know, sometimes, you you're looking for the fish that's not in your pond right and that's okay <laughs> it's okay to go look for the fishing but who are the fishes in your pond that you can highlight and I and i think we all we all we everybody's busy in northwest arkansas we don't give credit to the people that have done really great things here right. you know i talked about what you just did women in tech that just raised seed funding for tech company that is booming and you know, and there's competition where you are. I mean, there's the stable, there's this, everybody's trying to do the whole digital thing, but you have now, you know, rebranded yourself to go against that competition and say, hey, this is where you need to be. That takes a lot of kahunas. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely, you know, rooting for you. Then I, you know, I talked to Leo in Black Apple and just say, hey, he's going against the Anheuser bushes on the shelf, you know? Guys that are in Northwest Arkansas, and I'm like, golly, we got a lot of place people here doing big things that we need to recognize. And I said, let me start out with our local and also leaders here that have maybe gone up at Walmart and places. And then I think that the, you know, as more of the show grows, my point is down the line where we can, you know, is bring entrepreneurs oh. to help inspire other entrepreneurs that are trying to 
you know, they're trying to grow to learn from you guys on how to run yeah, businesses and stuff. I, you know, you said you didn't really get back on the horse, but you kind of did. Like, you know, and he's part of the ecosystem. And, and I talk to women about that a lot. Um, yeah. Is that, you know, in order for, you know, women or, or people of color or anybody who's traditionally been underserved in the, you know, in the capital market, venture capital, yeah. is we can't just start companies. We have to start companies and we need to invest yeah. and we need to mentor and yes. we need to, you know, like, like the whole system doesn't change. And so, you know, I mean, it feels weird to put a little bit of my paycheck, you know, when I'm living off a of venture into yes. some angel funding for, you know, underrepresented, you know, yeah. female yeah. founders. But at the same time, like I can't take and not put back in. And that's yes. what I love about what you're doing is like the whole system just has to kind of change. And no matter what part you're playing, um, you know, we're all, I, I think it's a really exciting time to be, you know, kind of in this space. And we're really blessed with, um, you know, just uh, a country where we have, you know, opportunity. opportunity and, and you yeah, know that. Yeah. And so, you know, this is a great, it's, it's difficult, but it's a great time to, to have those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the other things is America was built on small businesses, right? And mm. we all sometimes forget is, and uh, no, no, sh you know, there's no shade against the big tech, big, the Googles, the Facebooks, the, you know, everybody that is huge, right? That they can't count their money on one hand or probably in a bank, they probably got to get, you know. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But also, what percentage do they make? Then what percentage of the small businesses? America's run on small businesses. And I think we need to continue that trend. And we're seeing it, right? We're seeing it with restaurants. We're seeing it with, you know, I talked about the, you know, the craft brewery, right? It's a big market now, right? And and the other thing is that consumers are now even, you know, are now going with that trend because our kids are not loyal. Like I remember when my dad was growing up, he only bought Sony TVs. Our kids don't care, right? Yes, I, you're 100% right. It's funny, my, so my dad, my grandfather was a Procter & Gamble guy and, you know, for 40 years. So, you know, we grew up really understanding what brand loyalty was. Yes, um, yes. You know, nobody builds a better than I do. And, <laughs> you know, uh, now that I look back and, you know, nothing against Procter, you know, Mars or anybody that, you know, is working on branding, but, um, man, they, they got to be... Like my kids, to your point, they really don't have brand loyalty. No, they don't. <laughs> it's really hard to get them, you know, attached to a brand. Yeah. And that's really a good point. And they have influences. Like they can see somebody on TikTok and say, oh, I'm going to try that shampoo. And guess what? For the next six months, they might use that shampoo. Then another thing comes out. It's like, oh, okay, I'll try this. Then social consciousness is very important to them. And they ain't talking about just putting it on your website. They want to understand what are you really doing, right? And they're just different. They're built different. And I think um, small businesses are adapting quicker to all that than bigger I'm businesses. Right now, um, when I worked at the Mars agency, I was put on the Colgate account. And my dad had some serious concerns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I was like, are you, like, I, are you serious? And he's like, well, you know, and, and I mean, we joke about it now, but yeah. you're, I love how you're framing this. It is, it's such a different mindset today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. 
Thank you so much. Hey, Megan, I'll just say thank you so much for coming through to bless us here at the village you don't see. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's our episode with Megan Bowman, founder of, I'll say, Stonewatch is the, is the software, founder of Stonehenge. Uh, Stone, Stopwatch, sorry, is the, is the software. If you're a CPG company and you don't even know, if I say, what's your impressions or conversions and you don't know what I'm talking about, please pick up the phone and call Megan. Uh, Megan, is, is it stopwatch.tech? It is, yes. Uh, stopwatch.tech. If you're a smaller CPG company that's there, so on Amazon, uh, Walmart.com, I think you have Instacart, any digital platform, please call Stopwatch, especially if you don't know what I'm at talking about. If you don't know your impression, <laughs> if you don't know what your product score is, if you don't have a minimum of eight images on your page unless it's limited by the you know by the retailer um if you don't know anything about digital don't you know don't stress yourself call someone that can help you so uh megan thank you so much and and shout out to all the t uh, your team at stonehenge uh, tech lab so we appreciate them giving you this time to talk to us because i know you're, uh, you're very busy and thanks for giving us this time and i really enjoyed this episode it's so awesome to connect with you oh man well amen let's let's, uh, let's do it again and let's do it again to... yes and okay. the goal is we'll check up down the line we'll check up just like any other thing so right, well, yeah, hopefully we can yeah bankrupt or billionaires but either way i, th I think we're gonna be okay we'll be fine <laughs> we'll be we'll be awesome hey have okay. a blessed day okay you too man appreciate right. you bye, bye.